0: A very special guest that most of you know by the name of Padea. Um, I've known Padea for probably ten or eleven years uh, uh, since she was a wide-eyed freshman at Western U. First of all, hello, Padea. I assume you're there. Hi,
1: Rod. Hi, everyone.
0: Thanks Hi, Padea. For, for those that don't know, Padea has done a, a ton of things for this association. She was started up a lot of our uh, current social events way back when um, when she was in charge of. Our social committee, she recruited a lot of talent from, especially from her friends at Western U to come aboard. And she acted as president five years ago, did a great job as that. And, and, and the reason she's on tonight is to represent a career path in pharmacy, particularly uh, community pharmacy independent ownership. So first of all, welcome, Padea. Thank you for, for your time tonight.
1: Thank you.
0: I know you just got out of a uh, COVID clinic, correct?
1: Yes. Um, sorry, I ran A little later than I expected, and so um, uh, yeah, we're finished though, and we've been having a lot of these little mini COVID clinics, and this one was uh, it just so happened to be for a corporate, cor- big corporation. So okay,
0: yeah. okay. You doing mostly uh, Pfizer?
1: Uh, yes, mostly Pfizer has been the preference. Um, Johnson Johnson has actually picked up in interest lately, so that's good to see. Uh, they do have a halt on that shipment, but they're encouraging transfers between providers right now, so uh, that's a good thing.
0: Okay, yeah. well, um, getting, getting started with talking about how you evolved your career, let's go back to pharmacy school for you and all the decision process that you went through and, and let us in on the journey from that time in your life to today and how that evolved into um, what you're doing today.
1: Yeah, so um, I graduated in 2014 from Western U. I did not think throughout my whole entire four years at Western U that I would own a pharmacy, an independent pharmacy. Um, I didn't even think that I would really work in one. At first, I wanted to do inpatient and then tr- transfer to work. My interest was more in ambulatory care. And after graduating, I completed a pharmacy, a community pharmacy residency program in uh, at Western U as well. And even then, entering residency did not think I would be opening or owning an independent pharmacy as well. And after finishing there, even though the focus was in community practice, uh, we did actually a lot of ambulatory care um, at the Western University Of health sciences pharmacy. So, trying to incorporate diabetes management, smoking cessation, so lots of different clinical programs uh, within the community setting. So, with the expansion of SB 493, that kind of shifted a lot of different changes in, you know, expanding the role of pharmacists in a wider, you know, doing what we do already, but uh, bringing it into the community. So, I I did enjoy that aspect of it. Um, So, after finishing it, my PGY one, I actually at um, Prospect Medical Group as a ambulatory care pharmacist. It's a a management um, medical management company for physicians, um, and I was there. And I think at that time, I was transitioning and spoke with my classmates at the time who graduated with me. About opening a pharmacy and kind of putting that desire in to use what I learned in community practice or my residency into the community pharmacy. So some clinical services like travel medicine, we really wanted to incorporate diabetes care, Um, not MTM exactly, but I guess it's considered comprehensive medical management now specifically. And so that was kind of our idea of wanting to, I guess, started the idea of opening an independent pharmacy practice. I still thought I would kind of work full time in an ambulatory care setting while helping create those programs in the community setting. And then as we got closer to opening, I my roles at Prospect Medical shifted as well. You know, ambulatory care, even though it's been around for a long time, unfortunately, there's still that component where um, we can't bill for our services for pharmacists. And so I was also offered a kind of part-time position with Blue Cross Blue Shield to work on their ambulatory care services um, part-time. So I thought that would be a good transition for me to kind of work for Blue Shield and kind of dedicate more time for the pharmacy as well to develop those programs. And then so I, I left Prospect Medical and went full time with the pharmacy while working on some things with Blue Cross Blue Shield. And that's that was five years ago. Uh we opened Quinn's pharmacy in Huntington Beach, an independent pharmacy practice. We, you know, started off the bat. I think we were one of the very, very few pharmacies that offered birth control without a prescriptions at, at the time. Um, right when the board uh, created their um, standard operating procedures or a protocol for it. We took it and started the program. Our our main you know our we never really there was the one thing for us that was important was that we did charge for our services. Because there is no payer system, we wanted to bring value to what pharmacists do for the community. And so we did charge for our services. We and had incorporated travel medicine. And we had a f- appointments for that as well. Just lately, of course, because of 2020, a lot of those um, in-person, face-to-face interactions have closed or there was very le- a little interest in it. Actually, during COVID, the one thing that continued on was our birth control without a prescription because a lot of patients could not get appointments with their primary care physician. They couldn't get refills. And so that actually that service did pick up um, during, during the pandemic. And we were still able to accommodate patients and still go through our protocol to provide that. So that's kind of what we've been doing and it's ever evolving. And that's kind of my path, I guess, to independent pharmacy. Yeah.
0: You've, you've touched on a lot of things that you're doing uh, special services. And I think from my experience, every successful independent pharmacy has found their niche, um, so as not to compete head on with the chains on everything, but to go after some of the, the services and, and customers that are not going to the chains uh, and aren't monopolized by the chains. So you've, you've touched on a lot of interesting things that are happening already with Quinn's. What are some other things that you've noticed in the industry now, independent pharmacy industry as a whole, um, that's happening out there currently?
1: a lot of changes i mean dispensing you know there's a lot of new payment systems i guess we've kind of encountered some pharmacies doing an all cash business um charging i think they're called bumblebee They just take cash for prescriptions like generics. Um, We've been kind of competing with what's called um, direct primary care physician groups that go off of a membership basis. So that's actually in our community. There's a physician that dispenses medications at like a 10 percent, you know, at cost to directly to their patients while charging a monthly membership um, to see them. And, you know, the funny thing is, is that their margins are probably better than ours. in community practice. So, you know, you're always having to innovate. And with independent pharmacists, I think we can specialize and work with different manufacturers specifically. I think for the pandemic, we were the most adaptable in the sense that, um, you know, curbside pickup tomorrow, we, you know, started things right away. You know, we already had delivery services in place. I know that a lot of the chains are, I think I'm trying to, change the word. We're not calling it chains anymore. We're calling it corporate pharmacy um, to really distinguish between, you know, this independent small mom and pop shops to corporate pharmacy. Um, I are still providing that service of mail, uh, but patients are, you know, they're telling us that we're, they're getting it two to three days um, where we can provide, you know, same day delivery to our local patients or next day. Um, but definitely being innovative and trying to, I mean, I feel like we're doing so many different things at our, at Quinn's pharmacy to incorporate, to, you know, be financially stable, uh, while, you know, filling prescriptions at the same time. So there's like so many different things that everyone can focus on that, um, the corporate pharmacies don't, but, you know. Then you just definitely have to find like a different niche or maybe what's different. Because even within each independent pharmacy, we're all we um, even though I mean, filling prescriptions, we all do that. But to what level of service? There was one thing I really wanted to talk about today where, you know, to be an owner of a pharmacy, you have to really be grounded in your your care for others or really, you know, like, why are you a pharmacist? Because that balance between being a business person and being a pharmacist. Is a very fine line, and you know you want to make sure that you're a pharmacist first. And sometimes that can not be financially. Um, it's not always positive, but we are always pharmacists first. Is probably
0: what I always remember. So that that balance between business and and pharmacy is kind of interesting, and it's so important in doing what you're doing. How much of that? How much of the business side did you have to learn on the on the job versus you know? Um, knowing ahead of time?
1: I think I would probably want to take more of like financial classes, I guess, or like, we're definitely kind of uh, maybe working with the insurance and understanding the reimbursements or I mean, we're definitely I, I can tell you my, my experience in community practice prior to opening a pharmacy was I was an intern at Kaiser Permanente. My partners had to teach me about a bin and PCN on like day one of opening a pharmacy that I own. But definitely there's like, I, I don't know if there's anything specific, but we're, I'm really learning every single day.
0: Just all the profit and loss and, and, and paying the bills and deciding uh, how to, how to uh, put a price on things that you're doing. It, yes. it's, it's a lot of business in there, not all that you got from pharmacy school.
1: Definitely. I mean, it's um, you know, we definitely call around to see if there are other pharmacies providing the same services that we're providing. Um, I mean, I still think that the value of what we provide, like birth control without a prescription, I think we only charge thirty dollars, and we also provide a morning after pill with it with every pres- every um with every appointment. So, I mean, for us, for me, I try to kind of bill like $120 per hour for a pharmacist so depending on how long certain things take you know we kind of divide it from from that amount of time so mm-hmm. as an hourly service sometimes so kind of gives us a basis how often things are uh, are are called on so
0: you you've been uh, sprinkling some advice into your uh, into your talk already so maybe you've covered this already but is there any other advice you would want to give any of us on this call that might, especially those who might someday want to own our own pharmacy?
1: Um, I mean, I think it's a great challenge. It's definitely not for everybody. I mean, I personally would never be able to do it without my partner, Susie, but I know sometimes partnerships are really, really hard as well. So that's kind of like, you know, everyone warned us like, oh man, I don't know if you should go into a partnership. You know, maybe you should just go on your own, be able to make your own decisions without consulting someone. But I mean, I know there are, I have a lot of limitations and Susie knows hers and we just try to work together and balance each other out. But again, I would never, I could never do it without her. So, I mean, that's one thing, but there are, there's been a lot of hurdles for us. Um, We, we got through some tough times and, you know, now it's something that we know moving forward, it would never be an issue again, but Sometimes, I mean, I've heard of partnerships completely imploding on itself, best friends. Um, it's an unfortunate thing. So I definitely think, you know, trying to find the balance of, you know, what are your goals as an independent pharmacy owner? I don't know. Some, you know, when I speak to some students, they're like, I just want to own like seven stores and make a ton of money. I mean, There probably is money in pharmacy, but that probably that, you know, I don't know if that would, that should be a number one goal, especially nowadays with reimbursements. So I think, uh, my, one of my mentors told me like, you know, what is it? You want to be in charge of your own future, your own destiny. I mean, independent pharmacy does afford me to work really, really hard when I'm working really hard, you know, seven days a week. Who knows when I'll have my next vacation, but being with a partner, I can. Completely have trust and say, okay, I'm gonna take you know four days off because I, you know, it doesn't happen often. I'm not saying it does, but when we do get to do some uh, vacation, you know, I really don't have to worry at all about it, and it's nice where it's flexible. I don't have to, you know, get it approved and and things like that. So, I think the advice would be, yeah, I mean, if you really feel like independent pharmacy is your passion, just make sure that you're really grounded in your your goal and why you became a pharmacist at that that moment. And I think it's always like you want to, we're here to help people and help the community and find what you're passionate about so that it can come through in your store as well. You know, Quinn's Pharmacy, we really focus on um, all natural self care products, we don't carry anything that we wouldn't recommend or use for our own self. Um, and that has always been the goal. And we're going to be expanding that even more. So lots of different niches, everyone has different backgrounds that I think they can bring to independent pharmacy. And that really just goes back to, you know, what is your passion in pharmacy, or, you know, whatever it may be. And I think you can express that through owning owning a pharmacy. So
0: yeah. Thank you, Padea. You really, um, you know, a lot of us have been to your pharmacy, Quinn's Pharmacy in Huntington Beach, and it really is an exceptional uh, example of a pharmacy that's doing well and, and is got their priorities in the right places to give good health care. And I know you do a lot of special things, even more than what you talked about, but um, I'd like to open it up for, for questions if anybody in our crowd uh, would like to ask Padea anything at all.
1: Micah had a question in the chat for Padilla. It was, uh, how would you like to see the local association support independent pharmacists? I think, you know, if we could, I know some other local associations are more, they've got a lot of owners. And I mean, I still, one of my passions is still in legislation and meeting with the legislators. And I think what we just don't understand as either pharmacists or business owners or, you know, politics is that, you know, we have to kind of speak to them through what they understand. So I think, I don't know if politicians see pharmacists as, you know, small business owners or healthcare providers. And there is, again, like that balance between the two. And we, depending on if we're speaking, you know, sorry to talk sides, but Republican or Democrat or whatever it is, they kind of have to understand, like, what side we're really trying to benefit for i mean of course yes we talk about low reimbursements and things like that but they really have to understand that you know we can't survive as a small business and provide these very special services to a a very large vulnerable population um and i think that's that the compassion part is really missing when we go and talk to them so i would like to see like the local association if we can you know get Get into more of the uh, those meetings with those legislators and really represent, you know, pharmacy as you know as healthcare providers and and not just the business. I guess we're you know we're always talking about reimbursements and I understand they they are really important, but I think you know they have to understand what what's the downstream effect if those reimbursements you know get lower and lower and we shut down small businesses. So especially with the pandemic, I feel like there are willing to listen
2: a lot more than before,
1: be more understanding.
2: I completely agree with you. I know like last year, AB 2100 was something we're really advocating. It got both through the Senate and through the Assembly, the governor vetoed it. And then the bill that we had come out to kind of offset that, which was AB 671 by Wood, that one didn't even make it out of the assembly it's in the inactive file um and i think what uh, these bills that have these costs associated with them we're not seeing any traction with them i don't know if rajon has any input on what else we could do because i know we're we're going to be submitting for um, things for our House of Delegates, right? So what is it about the bills that it's not making it out? Now it's not even, it's an inactive from the Assembly. So what can we do? Because that's where, that ties to exactly what you're talking about, Padilla, with reimbursement and helping business owners like yourself and our patients in turn, because then they don't lose the opportunity to have wonderful pharmacists like you.
1: I think, unfortunately, it's always about the constituents, right? And the vote. So we really have to kind of tug at those strings for those you know, Um. those legislators, one thing that I think a, lo- a lot of us all have access to are patients that do love pharmacists, and they should be speaking for us. And I've always, uh, right before the pandemic, I was actually doing a lot of video, in- some video interviews with some of my patients that we've had for a long time, and just kind of having them express why they use a small pharmacy or what benefits they've had you know, and what struggles, you know, I have a husband and wife, one uses our pharmacy, one uses mail, mail, mail order, because it's cheaper for him. But his health is declining, because, you know, they don't, they just send bottles, and he can't remember his own medications, but we provide special packaging for her. Um, And we've tried to do it for him as well. But, you know, that is one thing that is affecting, you know, everyday citizens. And, you know, those are the stories I think that these legislators really need to hear directly from the patients. So I think we all have access to those patients. We all know those patients that love us as pharmacists. And I think we should really, you know, figure out a way to get their story heard and, yeah, bring them together, not just from me or, you know, I think all of us have has access to that.
0: Pidea, you've been a great role model. Thank you for coming on tonight and all you've done for OCPHA over the years. And I wish we had more time because um, I'd like to pick your brain some more, but we have to keep it going. But thanks again, Padeo.
1: You're welcome. Thanks for having me.